He called the whole church together, this group of believers. He called them together and he gave them all kind of privileges. He gave them all kind of abilities. He gave them all kind of responsibilities. But to three believers in particular, he gave special abilities. Special abilities to reach the community with the good news that people can go to heaven, that people can have hope, that people can be saved from the consequences of their sin, that, that people could have a relationship with God, and that they could avoid suffering torment for all eternity. To one of those three Bethel believers, Jesus gave five spare hours a month. Five spare hours a month. To the second Bethel believer, he gave two spare hours a month. And to the third, he gave one spare hour per month. And then Jesus returned to heaven. Immediately, the Bethel member whom Jesus had given five spare hours a month began working hard. And he began using those five spare hours to share that good news. And soon, that believer made five more disciples. That Bethel member whom Jesus had given two spare hours also went to work, using that time to share the good news that, that people can go to heaven, that people can have hope. And lo and behold, he made two more disciples. But then that Bethel member, whom Jesus had given one spare hour, stayed home in his spare time, and he used the time for selfish things, and as a result... He never made any disciples. Not terribly long after that, Jesus returned. And he returned because he wanted to take his disciples to heaven. He called those three disciples together, those three Bethel believers, and he commanded them to give an account for the spare hours that he had given them. The Bethel member whom Jesus had given five spare hours per month said, Lord, you gave me five spare hours a month and I used those hours to pray for my community, to minister to those in need, and to share the good news that you paid the ultimate price by dying for sin and defeating the grave of those who would trust in you for heaven. And Lord... Five lost people were added to your kingdom. Man, the Lord was full of praise for this Bethel member, and he said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful. Now I'm going to give you more in proportion to how you use the time I've given you. Enter into my joy. Let's celebrate and rule together. 
Then that Bethel member, whom Jesus had given two spare hours per month, said, Lord, you gave me two spare hours a month, and I used those hours to pray for my community, to minister to those in need, and to share the good news that you paid the price for the forgiveness of sins, you died on that cross for our sins, and you defeated the grave for all those who would trust in you for heaven. And as a result, Lord, two lost people were added to your kingdom. Man, the Lord was full of praise. This Bethel member had gone beyond what he expected, and he said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful. Now I'm going to give you more in proportion to how you used what I gave you. Enter into my joy. Let's celebrate and rule together. Then that Bethel member to whom Jesus had given one spare hour per month said, Lord, I know you've got high standards. I know you demand a lot. But you've just placed way too much responsibility on me. You don't understand how busy I've been. And so I just did what I wanted to with that spare hour you gave me. The Lord was furious. He was furious and he said that is a terrible way to live. It's criminal to live in such a self-centered way. I gave you that spare hour and you wouldn't use it to honor me? The least you could have done was go to grow and pray for those who are willing to go out and serve. You know what? You're just wicked and lazy. i tell you what I'm going to do, the Lord said. I'm going to take all the spare hours that I've given you and I'm going to give them to those who are faithful. And as for you, you obviously are not a disciple of mine. You talk a big game. You go through the motions on Sunday. You give me a lot of lip service. But when it comes down to practicing what you preach, you ain't no different than an unbeliever. Don't you remember me telling you that not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven? Friend, what's required is some serious obedience here. Doing what my Father wills. And it's His will that none perish, but that all turn from their sin and be saved. That's what God wants. That's what my Father wants. You claim you're my disciple, but all you did was spend what I gave you on yourself. Depart from me. You're out of here. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the God-given opportunities you have provided us to do your will. 
to lead people into a relationship with you because it's not your desire that any perish, but that all turn from their sin and be saved. Use us, I pray, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said. You know, a lot of Christians speak regularly of their desire to hear Jesus say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. But in that earthly story with eternal implications, Jesus had a lot to say to make sure you hear those words. And he showed us how we can hear those words. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Today I want to share with you briefly three excuses, three expectations, and three promises. First, let me share with you three excuses. Would you agree with me that some people have more brains than others. Tell me somebody you know that has more brains than you. <laughs> Did somebody say you? Please. <laughs> Everybody just about? Amen. Some people have more brains than others. Some have more abilities than others. Some were born stronger than others. Some seem to maintain their health better than others. Some are richer than others. Can I get a testimony? <laughs> but we all have opportunities that have been given to us by the Lord. Do you remember that song lyric? I don't even know what movie it came from, but it went like this. I can do anything you can do better. I can do anything better than you. Anybody know what movie that came from? I don't remember either. Anyway, that lyric's not true. Nobody can do everything. Nobody can do everything better than you. No one. Almighty God has invested abilities. He's invested talents into every single individual. So to compare yourself with somebody else is no excuse. Instead, we've got to use those abilities and talents that we've been given the best way that we can. For instance, when I listen to Billy Graham preach, I realize I can't preach like Billy Graham. I wish I could, but I know I can't. But then I realized this. Billy Graham can't preach like me either. He may not want to. But he can't preach like me either. Almighty God made me just who I am. He could have made anybody else like me, but since he didn't, it's my duty to make the very best out of what he's given me, what he's made me, and I'm not going to be envious of anybody else. Almighty God made you. He made you just the way you are. And there are things that you can do for the kingdom of God that I or anybody else in this world could do. Only you can do it. 
He has invested some abilities. He's invested some talents in you. And guess what? He expects you to use them. Otherwise, he wouldn't have given them to you. Let me share with you some common excuses that people use for not serving the Lord. One, well, God hadn't given me any abilities. God hasn't given me anything to do. How many people say that? So many Christians act as if God didn't give them any kind of gifts at all. But this passage clearly indicates that each servant was given his goods. Each servant was given things by the Lord, the Lord's gifts. And he delivered them to those servants. He invested them in those servants to be used for the glory of God. Friend, I want you to know that you were created for ministry. Listen to what uh, Ephesians chapter 2 says. For we are God's workmanship, created anew in Christ Jesus, so that we can do the good things that God planned for us a long time ago. You were created to serve God. You were also saved to serve God. In 2 Timothy 1.9, the Bible says, It is God who saved us and chose us to live a holy life. Not because we deserved it, because we didn't, but because it was his plan long before the world began to show his kindness and mercy to us through Christ Jesus. We were saved to serve God. You weren't saved just so you can go to heaven. You were saved to serve and glorify he who saved you. You've also been gifted to serve God. In 1 Peter 4.10, the Bible says that God has given gifts to each one of you. Given gifts to each one of us from his great variety of spiritual gifts. And he says, manage them well. Manage them well so that God's generosity can flow through you. God's given us all. Plenty to do. Let me give you a second excuse. And I kind of touched on this a minute ago. But I can't do as much as so-and-so. I can't do it as good as so-and-so. As we learned in my interpretation of the parable of the talents, every one of those Bethel members was given a different amount of spare time. Amen? And God is not going to ever ask you whether you did as much as the person sitting beside you. He's going to ask you, what did you do with what I gave you? Have you been faithful with what I gave you? However big or however little it was. Have you been faithful with what I gave you? So you can't compare yourself with so-and-so. You can't compare yourself with your neighbor. Here's a third excuse for you. God simply asks too much. In verse 24, that Bethel member whom Jesus had given one spare hour a month said, Lord, I know you have high standards. 
I know you demand our best, but you place too much responsibility on me. You don't understand how busy I've been. So I just did what I wanted with that spare hour that you gave. And do you remember what the Lord's response was? He was furious, and he said, that's a terrible way to live. It's criminal to live in such a self-centered way. Jesus says, I gave you that spare hour, and you wouldn't even honor me with it? You talk a big game, you go through the motions, you give me a lot of lip service, but when it comes down to practicing what you preach, you just spend it on yourself. It's an excuse. It's an excuse to think that God asks too much from you. That servant dishonestly blamed the Lord. But the Lord kind of set him straight, didn't he? That servant tried to blame the Lord, but the Lord pointed out the truth. Let the Lord point out the truth in your life today. Because he ended up saying that that servant was just wicked and lazy. God's asking too much. You know, so many people become Christians without counting the cost. They accept the gift that God's given of eternal life in heaven, but they don't count the cost of what God expects from his children. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. But how many people want Jesus to take up his cross, but they don't want to take up their own and follow him like he commanded? They say, oh, you're just asking too much of me. He says, enough with the excuses. Let me share with you three expectations. First of all, Jesus expects you and I as believers to make disciples. We are his messengers, and we've been given a divine message to share with those who never heard it. Those who have never believed, those who have never accepted the truth, we have been given this blessing. Back in verse 20, that Bethel member whom Jesus had given five spare hours said, Lord, you gave me five spare hours and I used those hours to pray for this community, to minister to those in need. How many of you know that there are needs right here in our own community? How many of you know that there are people who need your prayers right here in this community? And he said, I also shared the good news that you paid the ultimate price by dying for our sins, defeating the grave, that those who believe in you would be able to go to heaven. How many of you know that there are lost people right here in this community that don't have a relationship with God? And if they died today, they'd be eternally separated from him with no hope. What's the expectation? He expects us to make disciples. But I've said so many times that you can't make a disciple until you are one yourself. It's not enough to be faithful. God also expects us to be bearing fruit. 
Last week we learned in John chapter 15 that he promises to help us if we'll just stay with him. If we'll just abide in him. Don't you remember? It's the branches that bear the fruit. The vine produces the fruit, but the branches bear the fruit. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. But without me, you can do what? Nothing. So saying that you're faithful without being fruitful ain't nothing but a lie. It's an oxymoron. You can't be one without the other. Another expectation of the Lord is to realize that faithfulness is not just showing up on Sunday morning. That faithfulness is doing what Jesus asks us to do. Doing what Jesus asks us to do. In verse 21, Jesus said, man... And he, the Lord was full of praise for that Bethel member. And he said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful. Now I'm going to give you more in proportion to how you used what I gave you. And then in verse 23, he said, I'm going to give you more in proportion to how you used what I gave you. You've been given gifts that God only gave to you. And we're going to be rewarded based upon how we used what we were given. So showing up on a Sunday morning is not all that Jesus asks. He asks you to do what he asks you to do. To make a disciple, you got to be a disciple. you got to be the same on Monday that you are on Sunday. Are you simply going through the motions? That's the biggest problem with today's church. We got buildings full on Sunday mornings of people that are just going through the motions. Are you seeking to obey all that God asks of you? Are you showing up on, at church on Sunday, but then not living for Christ on Monday? Do you find yourself getting caught up in the moment on Grow Commitment Sunday, but then not following through on your commitment? Today, I want to encourage you to count the cost. To count the cost of following Christ. To count the cost, but also to count the cost of not following Christ. Jesus told that one Bethel member, Depart from me. You're out of here. Is he saying you're not saved anymore? No, we know that we're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ and him alone. 
But I don't know about you, but I want to be as close to my Lord as I can possibly be on this earth and when I get to heaven. Faithfulness is not just showing up. It's doing what Jesus asks us to do. Another expectation. Jesus expects us to seize our God-given opportunities. Seize your God-given opportunities. As Jesus spoke to that unfaithful servant, we, what were the other servants doing? They're out there doing what Jesus asked them to do. Praying, ministering, sharing the good news. They're out there taking advantage of their God-given opportunities. I want to tell you today that the Grow Outreach Ministry is your God-given opportunity. It's your God-given opportunity to get out there, use the gifts that God has given you, and make an eternal difference. Maybe you have the gift of giving compassion to the elderly. Maybe you have the gift of, of praying with someone. Maybe you have the gift of encouragement. Maybe you have the gift of just showing somebody a little mercy. Maybe you have a big old heart and you have the gift of just loving on people. Maybe you have the gift of just one hour a month. Just one hour a month. Jesus expects you to seize your God-given opportunity. And if you do that, the promises are great. Let me share with you three of those promises. Because Christ's expectations don't come without rewards for obedience. One, the first promise, is the joy of hearing your Lord say, well done. Can you imagine what it would be like if you approach the throne of God, the Lord Jesus is there, and he said, you sure did a shoddy job. I know you're here. I know you believed in me by faith. But man, you sure did a shoddy job with what I gave you. I would be crushed. I so want to hear Jesus tell me, well done. Another promise is this, the joy of ruling with Christ. He said, celebrate and come rule with me, enter in, be with me for all eternity. What a joy that will be. And finally, the invitation of entering eternally into the joy of the Lord. Now, I have a lot of joy in my life. I have a lot of reason to be joyful in my life. Can I get a testimony? You provide me great joy on earth. But as much as I love you, as much as I love you, 
as much as a people person as I am, with all the blessings I've been given on this earth, there is no joy on earth that can even make a dent into the joy of the Lord. You see, sometimes my joy wavers. Sometimes I'm real joyful. Other times, not so much. But my Lord's joy is eternal, unending, and enormous. You know, our talents and the abilities God given us are like seeds. If you plant those seeds and you nourish those seeds, then those seeds will multiply. You'll make more. But if you take your seed and you lay it down, that seed is going to dry up and it's going to die. I remember early, early in my ministry, somebody asked me, Brother Bill, do you think that if we don't use the gifts God gave us, that he'll take them away? And I said, well, if they're not being used by him, then they've already been taken away. Plant those seeds and nourish them. Friend, you have been blessed to invest Invest in something far greater than you. Invest in something far bigger than you. Invest in something that will outlast you. Use your gifts and abilities. Today, in your bulletin, you probably found several gold pieces of paper like this. It's gold because I think this is as good as gold. You give God an hour of your time, it's like you giving gold. And at the top of that sheet it says, making an eternal difference. You see, that's what the 2013 Grow Outreach Ministry seeks to do. Is make an eternal difference. Would you say that with me? Make an eternal difference. God reaching our world. This invitation is very simple today. It's twofold. One, if you don't have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, I want you to know that through confessing that He is your Lord and that you believe that He died for you, all your sins can be cleansed and you can have an eternal home in heaven. You can make that happen today. The second part of this invitation is simple. If you're already a believer and it's time for you to sow your abilities, to sow your talents, whatever they may be, to help God reach this lost world, to be the instrument, the conduit through which God blesses this world, beginning with the northeast corner of Lauderdale County, you fill out your name, your address, your phone number, an email address, and check there what hour per month you want to serve. We meet either the first Tuesday at 6 or the third Tuesday at 6. Are you going to use that one spare hour 
for the glory of God. And then Kathy's made an addition there that I really like. Because we want you to do what you're comfortable doing. It may be making a visit with somebody else. It may be that you're ready to become a leader and lead your own team. It may be that you need to just want to work on the church grounds to make our our church home more visitor-friendly. You can do that. And that's part of God reaching our world. It may be that, that you want to write cards of encouragement, cards to the sick. What a great way to show people that God loves them, that even when they're down, God wants to bring them up. You can do that. What about making a phone call? I mean, every, I mean, every one of us has got a cell phone. How easy would it be to make a phone call to encourage someone in the Lord? How easy would that be? How about praying? You're all doing that anyway, right? Excuse me? You're all doing that anyway, right? Hallelujah. What about just helping with the administration of it all? Finding addresses on the internet so that we can mail cards to folks. We need help in that direction too. Check what you want to do. And then take this piece of gold during this invitation song. And as a sign of your commitment, as a sign that you have counted the cost of this commitment, because we only do it during daylight savings hours. That's nine months a year. That's nine hours a year. So really, it's not even one spare hour a month. It's probably more like 45 minutes if you average it out. If you would, as a symbol that you have counted the cost of your commitment, take this piece of gold and just lay it right here at the foot of the cross. Take your silver and your gold. Take your commitment and lay it there at the foot of the cross. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I thank you so much that you loved human beings enough that we could be saved from our sin. Lord, that we can have an eternal home in heaven, that you would give us the power to turn away from our sin and live a life that makes an eternal difference. Father, I want to outlive myself, as it were. Lord, I want to make a difference. I want to do something that will outlast me. I want to do something that is bigger than me. Lord, I want to do something that will honor you. Father, there's no better way that I can think of than participating in a ministry like this to lead people into a relationship with you. Father, for the unbeliever and the believer alike, this invitation is issued by you. So Lord, whatever your desire is today, I pray that you would speak, speak mightily, in that still, soft whisper that only you can make, speak to every single one of us today. This is no small decision. Help us make it wisely. I don't want to hear, depart from me, you're out of here. Lord, have your will. Do it your way. Do it for your glory. In Jesus' holy name, I pray. And all God's people say,